Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody. Sounds like three of you are awake, so we're ready to go. (laughs) There's coffee in the back if you need it. Val knows all about it. Um, So you're stuck with me again. Sorry. Right? Sam is out. Sam is um, actually flying back this morning from Ireland with Brian and Jordan, and so I'm uh, looking forward to seeing those guys next week, but um, in the meantime, we're going to continue through the series that we've been going through the last few weeks. It's called uh, Practicing Love, and really what it is is a, a kind of an impractical look at spiritual disciplines, and, and maybe that's something that you've heard of um, in, your, in your life, and those things look like reading scripture and um, kind of the Christian basics, right? Praying. Today we're going to talk about prayer, but I kind of want to look at it from a different uh, angle and maybe a couple of different angles. And this week, maybe above, um, maybe above any other, we have a lot to pray for. So I am thankful for the opportunity to be here with you this morning to open up the scriptures with wisdom and imagination and wonder but I would be remiss if I came here and ignored what's happened in our country this week. Um, in Texas. And subsequently in each of our hearts and in our minds as we somehow have to deal with what we've seen on the news and maybe read um, in the news. Another mass shooting. Immediately what happens after a tragedy like this is, is uh, everybody, everybody, politics aside, everybody feels what's happened, right? And then, and then the news goes forward and then there's talks about uh, gun control and there's talks about uh, mental health and the decline of central morality and societal issues that have only gotten more strained over the decades, and there's blame that starts, and the divide gets bigger. And, I mean, we we can point to as many issues as there have been shootings over the last couple of decades until finally we get tired of the arguing and nothing changes, and then it happens again. And it you know, they call it analysis paralysis, right? And today, in, like I said, in our series, today happened to be the day that we're going to talk about prayer. And I know 
that what happens inevitably uh, everywhere in the news and social media is everybody's initial thing is we're going to send thoughts and prayers and that um, if you know the power of prayer, you know why you feel those things. But if you don't, it just seems like words that are meaningless and an excuse to not do anything about what's happened. Just last week we met and we prayed for families in Buffalo and families in Laguna Woods. And here we are again. And we mourn this week the loss of 21 more, 19 of which were children. And that is so hard to imagine. And it's even worse to read the details. And so we meet today with more questions and answers. Maybe some people are deciding what side they're on as if there should be sides at all. When your heart breaks for babies, there shouldn't be sides. And I think we, should, we needn't look any further than the heart of God. So today, no politics, no defensiveness, no offensive words, no anger, just a desperate need for healing, each one of us and our country, and especially families and students in Texas. So today... Um, Today is about prayer. And um, what I'll do is I'll open in prayer. I'll talk about prayer. I might pray a little bit. And then we'll end with a prayer. Father, we come to you this morning. Thankful for family. Thankful for this family where we can be ourselves where we don't have to put on airs. We come before you as our Abba Father. And Lord, we lift up Sam and Brian and Jordan as they um, are in flight. We pray for safe travels. We pray that you've spoke to them this week through conferences and experiences. And I pray, Lord, that you would bring them back refreshed. And... uh, Lord, we pray for our country. We pray for healing. We, we pray that you would help us put aside opinions and help us to seek the kingdom first. Help us to love people of every sort, on every side, of every color, and any creed, and help us to love our children supremely, Father, the way you love us. So we ask that you guide this conversation this morning, that you'd be part of it, And Lord, that you would uh, maybe open our eyes or remind us of something uh, that you'd like to teach us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I do want to start with a confession because um, I do that every time I teach, I think. Because I'm not an expert prayer. And um, so I don't want to come up here as if I have some special hotline to God that you all should be jealous of. <laughs> I am not an expert at this. And I, I think that some of you may be. So I'm just going to say that. You might know more 
about all of this. Um, I struggle. Sometimes I don't say grace. <laughs> Sometimes um, I don't pray with my wife or my children as much as I want to. Uh, sometimes I can be, I can easily dismiss the importance of prayer because other things pop up. Probably the time when I need to pray the most, I get distracted. I get stressed. I struggle through depression. And I know that we have some major prayer warriors in this little congregation and a lot of the folks that are not here today. So I come up here to breach this topic with humility. <laughs> and, um, and I'm thankful for all of you guys. I know um, that we have a prayer chain. Um, and it's uh, prayer at thegenesisstory.com if you need prayer. And uh, there's a bunch of people who do pray regularly um, for those requests. Whether, um, yeah, I'll just say that. Don't get me wrong. I, I do pray. <laughs> I pray every day. Um, I love what prayer is. I love what it means that we have access and communication and uh, connection to the source. Um, I, I often pray throughout the day, uh, small prayers all day long. But some days I feel disconnected and Sometimes I don't have the desire to be heard. And some days I'd struggle with the idea that God wants to hear from me at all. So I want to throw that out there because maybe you all struggle with some of those things too. If you struggle with even believing in God, then this idea of communicating with somebody you can't see might seem just silly. And I get that. Um, prayer can seem like a weird pastime for religious people. <laughs> and if that's what you think, that's okay. In fact, that might be the best place to start. When I was thinking about this, I know that there's a lot of different ways to pray. I know there's a pattern for prayer in the Bible. There's several examples of prayers throughout the scriptures, all over the scriptures. But I think I've boiled it down to three types of prayer that are the most common. And they are thank you, I'm sorry, and help. So we'll visit those three today. <clears throat> Sometimes it's a mix of all three of those. Sometimes it's um, my high school test prayer where I'm trying to barter. Like, I'm like, I didn't study for this test, God, but if you help me to ace it, I'll do this for you. <laughs> and I'm not sure that's how it works. <laughs> um, but um, we, we do our best in desperation to, uh, to appease God so that he will in turn hear us somehow. <clears throat> let's start with gratitude, and let's look at Luke 17. If you have a copy of the scriptures... You can turn to them. If not, you can listen to me. Luke 17, starting in verse 11, says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled 
along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back. Praising God in a loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. This is gratitude. Of this passage of scripture, Martin Luther said, This is what worship is. Knowing that you were hopeless and someone gave you hope. Knowing there was no way out, but someone rescued you. Knowing that you had no purpose, but you've been called to be part of something that is full of purpose. Ten men had leprosy. They had a skin disease, and it could be pretty gruesome. And they had no treatment, no cure. So they had to be exiled. They had to kind of live away from people in their own place. And so even the fact that they called, and it says very specifically, they called out from a distance because they knew they couldn't get near anybody lest their disease be transferred to other people. And so they sit at a distance and they call, Jesus, have pity on us. And I love that Jesus doesn't just say, snap his fingers and you're all better. I love that he said, go show yourselves to the priests. Because like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, faith is an action word. So he's requiring faith. And so they move forward in faith and on their way, they get cleansed. It's a beautiful picture. They didn't argue with them. They didn't say, well, but I don't want to give thanks yet because I still have my fingers falling off, right? But it's seeing these things, like seeing what God is doing and then going back and giving thanks. I was thinking about that song. You guys from the old timers will remember the song from the five-man electrical band called Signs. (laughs) If you're younger, you might remember the Tesla version of it the 80s. Um, but the, the, the last verse, it says, and the sign said, everybody welcome, come in, kneel and pray. But when they passed around the plate at the end of it all, I didn't have a penny to pay. So I got me a pen and paper and made it my own little sign. And I said, thank you, Lord, for thinking about me. I'm alive and doing fine. This idea that the gratitude is just that, right? Saying thank you, recognizing what it is in your life that is good. And that might be really important when life feels miserable. There's a 
Christian mystic, his name is Meister Eckhart. He once wrote, if the only prayer you ever say in your life were thank you, it would be enough. See, gratitude is a key to something in our lives that unlocks humility and grace and love. And when, we t- and when we walk in gratitude, we live lives of appreciation. When we pay attention and we see all that God is doing around us or that he's doing something in us, then we are more apt to be loving. Then we are more apt to be a different kind of person than one who ignores what is happening around us. Gratitude is an important part of prayer, and that's why we're starting here. But it's a peace that we might easily fake, right? And maybe that's not horrible, but let's talk about that. Because I think that when we pray, when we pray, we have things. You might have been taught an acronym, and you might have stuck to that your whole life. And this is like how I pray. There's many different ways. But I go through these motions, and sometimes I forget to really feel gratitude, and it's just lip service. I read a column from a Dr. Uzma Yunus. She's a psychiatrist and a breast cancer survivor. And she was talking about in this article her experience of going through diagnosis and going through chemotherapy. And... Um, how this affected her, somebody who's used to helping other people go through trauma in their lives. And she learned quite a bit about gratitude through it. She said this is how she overcame her depression. She talked about remembering that her chemo, the worst part, was during the holidays, and she was seeing on social media her friends traveling to see their families, and she was too sick to go anywhere. And how she felt jealousy, and she felt... um, kind of anger because she was stuck and she was going through maybe the worst time in her life. But she said, this is how I beat it. She said, she's got eight steps here. Some of them are very similar. But she said, when you pretend to be grateful, you actually do become grateful. So she said she'd spend some time telling Patients that they can fake it until they make it. And she said, in her case, there was something to that. Number two, she says, you can choose gratitude. You have to choose gratitude. Number three, gratitude is a habit acquired by practice. Fitting for what we're talking about today. Gratitude is a habit acquired by practice. Number four, the more you think, the happier you become. You can see this kind of progression in her steps. First she's pretending, and then she's choosing, and then she's making a habit out of this, making it a practice in her life. And then the more she practices this, she says, the more I was giving thanks, the happier my disposition was becoming. Being grateful, number five, being grateful deters from negative thoughts. It's the next logical step. As you are becoming a happier person, all the things that you beat yourself up over, all the things you let affect you, start to become less loud in your head. 
Number six, when you are thankful, you attract others that are thankful. She said she started getting messages on social media from people she'd never met before that had gone through what she's going through. And we're encouraging her. So she started getting a whole other kind of person in her life because she was putting out gratitude. Number seven, she said, expressing gratitude overtly helps find gratitude within. And number eight, when you can't find things to be thankful for, look at life with the wonder of a child. I love that one. I love all these. I love this because this is how practicing anything works. When I started playing guitar, I would practice scales, and I sucked at scales. (laughs) But the more I practiced, the more natural it became. I might not be good at gratitude, but I'm going to start my practice of gratitude by making a list of things that don't suck. If you can think of three or four things in your life that don't suck, you can make a list. (laughs) Then I'm going to choose to give thanks for those things on my list. And the more I do that, the longer my list will get. The more I give thanks, the better I feel changing the way I see things. The better I feel, the more I cast off the negative things. Then other people who see life like me will recognize some light in me. Then I recognize that I am not being, not, that I'm being changed, especially from the inside out. And then when things suck again, <laughs> I can see life through a different lens because I've been through this. Having that wonder, that awe, that's a practice all in itself. So as we're talking about practices, We're talking about practicing love. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about gratitude. How can we make this a practice in our own lives? I challenge you to make your own list of things that don't suck and start there. Make a list this week. It doesn't have to be comprehensive, just a few things that come to mind that you can give thanks for. And maybe that becomes a living document that you can add to daily or weekly. And see how giving gratitude, see how mindful gratitude can change you from the inside out. Matthew chapter 6, 7 through 13. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So it used to be the book of common prayers, right? Where you would read a prayer. Or if you grew up in certain um, uh, religions or certain denominations, you learned to recite rote prayers. But today's book of common prayer, essentially, like I said, is thank you, I'm sorry, and help me. That's true practically. Many of you guys, I think, tell me, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. <laughs> Throw tomatoes or something. I think that a lot of us were taught the acronym called ACTS. Have you heard of this? This is how you pray. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. I mean, I think that's, that's fantastic, right? Um, the problem is whenever you have like an acronym or something like that, then you have the tendency maybe to not be mindful when you're going through your time of prayer, and it doesn't feel natural. But let's look at the pattern of Jesus' prayer. He says, follow this pattern, right? Adoration. Our Father, who, who art in heaven, our Father in heaven, or you might say, our Father, both far and in, intimately close, hallowed be thy name, which means I recognize your holiness. You are holy. Adoration. The next thing he does is kind of this prayer of submission or surrender, where he says, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let earth reflect heaven. Let your kingdom be seen here and now. Adoration, submission. And then at the end, he gives, this is the supplication part. That just means you're asking for something, right? So give us what we need. Forgive us for our sins and help us to forgive others and keep us safe from evil. So Jesus' his pattern that he gives us here is an acronym that we can't say in church. Adoration, submission, supplication. I'll let that sink in. The, the Greek, let's talk about re practicing repentance. That's the second part of this. This is the I'm sorry part of prayer. The Greek term for repentance uh, is a word that I can't pronounce. It's actually metanoia. It denotes a change of mind. So when we talk about repentance, this is another thing for me. I've always heard that repentance means saying I'm sorry. Or repentance means feeling sorrow or feeling guilt or feeling shame, and so I need to, I need to be sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Gil. Um... In reality, the word means to change your mind. Uh, it means a reorientation, a fundamental transformation of the way you see things. It means maybe a new way of loving yourself and loving God and loving others. To say I'm sorry is good, and we are creatures who need to express that. But it's only contrite and repentant 
if it's followed with a change of thinking, a change of mind, a change in the way you think. And so I tell this to my teenager all the time. When it's 1 o'clock in the morning and I can hear him hollering on the phone in his room because his friends are playing a video game and somebody just scored or I don't know. But I hear this crazy laughter. And I go knock on the door and I say, keep it down in there. And he goes, oh, sorry. And I'm like, he's not sorry. <laughs> it's going to happen all night until he goes to sleep. <laughs> that is not repentance. That's lip service. And I think we need to make that distinction. So if we're saying I'm sorry, it needs to be followed through with the change in the way we think to align ourselves or reorient our thinking to be someone's in my house, sorry, to be uh, in line with God. Uh, For me, it's a sign of true faith that we are able to acknowledge our mistake, pray for forgiveness, change the way we think, and then get back into gratitude, right? Because a lot of times we think repentance is this kind of sullen uh, shame and guilt, and a lot of times people um, of faith live in that for a long time. They messed up, and now they can't shake this feeling of guilt. And... That's not what God wants from you. God wants you to get back to gratitude. And so so what this is going to do requires a change in the way we think because we think what God wants is for me to feel really bad because I really screwed up. And that's not what he wants. That's not what he wants. Your faith looks way more powerful and way more real when you say, I'm sorry, and I need to change this, and I'm going to need help changing this. But I trust you for my forgiveness and for the help that I need. And then you get back into being thankful that he is able, that he has forgiven you. And don't, and don't beat yourself up, because once God has forgiven you, anything else other than to say thank you, is saying, I'm not sure I'm really forgiven. The longer we hang out in in guilt and remorse, I think the deeper the wedge we drive between us and God. And I'm not saying don't feel bad if you've hurt somebody or if you've done something wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm saying once God has forgiven you, it's time to forgive yourself and move on. That does require a change of thinking. And once you have done that, once you've experienced that, then I think the next part of Jesus' prayer makes a lot of sense that we now are to forgive others. We've experienced forgiveness. We can forgive ourselves. And forgiveness should flow through us into our relationships, into past hurts, And so, man, what I'm trying to say is make it a practice to move on. Don't dwell on your sinfulness. There's only only one creature who wants you to dwell on how bad you are. 
and it's not God. And it's not your brothers and sisters in here. So change the way you think, reorient your mind around the gospel, and keep moving. Let forgiveness flow over you, and let forgiveness flow through you. And practice this. Practice letting this stuff go. Stop holding grudges. You've been freely forgiven. Freely give forgiveness and practice love. Don't let it slow you down. Don't let it deter you. You've got more important things to do than feel guilty. Okay? First is thank you. Second is I'm sorry. And then help. Help. Or intercessory prayer is what we call that. Asking for help. This is, so when we pray, when we, when we say thank you, gratitude, it's beautiful. When we say I'm sorry and repent, that's beautiful. And then we get to the help me part. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. It's crazy in and of itself to think that not only can we pray and ask to the God of all creation, to the God of the cosmos, but Jesus actually says, encourages us to do so, right? To ask God to intervene into the natural order of our things to help us out. Like I said earlier, if you submit a prayer request here at Genesis, it gets sent out to a list of praying friends who will intercede on your behalf. That is, we will take your request and you will have a team full of people who are praying for God to intervene into your life. Maybe it's sickness or health or family situations or finances or relationships or addictions, really any need that is overwhelming you or any need at all. This is intercessory prayer. This is what it means. We're asking God to do something. That's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible to me that that's even a thing. <laughs> but, but like I said, let alone that Jesus says, you don't have because you don't ask. Give us this day our daily bread. This prayer is also how we pray for families in Buffalo and Uvalde, Texas. Lord, please help these families heal. Please help these surviving children recover by your grace. The help prayer is where a lot of us spend our, our prayer time. Uh, it doesn't always turn out as we hoped. But asking God to intervene is always good. It's always the right thing to do. So remember this. Jesus told us that we are worthy of connecting with God. Jesus told us that we are worthy of communicating with Abba. Ask away, he says, for God is a good father. God is a good God. In the end, even Jesus prayed, but not my will, but yours be done. Sometimes people feel uh, too small to pray for help. 
Like they don't matter to God. Sometimes people get mad when God doesn't answer the way that they had hoped. And I'll be honest, I don't know how this all works logistically. I've told before the story, it's an old preacher's, preacher's story about a little boy who said, Dad, seven years old, he said, Dad, when I grow up, I want to be a cowboy. His dad said, that sounds great, son. And then when the boy got older, he went through high school, and he came to his dad his senior year, and he said, Dad, I, I think I know what I want to do with my life. I want to be a doctor. I want to go to college and be a doctor. And dad said, oh, son, we spent your college fund when you said you wanted to be a cowboy. Bought you a barn, bought you some horses. You're set. See, and the, and the point of that story is that sometimes we ask for things before we know what's right for us. And when it's a no, sometimes there's a bigger reason that we haven't, we haven't thought of yet but it will reveal itself in time. I don't know how it all works. Logistically, that's, that's God's job. But as someone has said, when God's people are praying, it's a different world than where his people are not. So in light of tragedy, in light of the worst of human nature, if we quit interceding, I can't imagine what the world would look like. So we bear this responsibility. Make asking for help a practice. In Romans 8, I'm going to read this from the message translation, uh, verses 26 through 28. He says, the moment we get tired in the waiting... God's Spirit is right alongside, helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition, and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked out into something good. Thank you. I'm sorry. Help us. Practice gratitude by keeping a list of things that don't suck. Maybe stick them on your fridge or by your dresser or on your dashboard if you can pray without crashing. I'm sorry. Practice repentance by not letting guilt and shame hold us down. Receive forgiveness and give forgiveness freely. And help. Practice asking for help for our needs, for the needs of those around us, and for our country and for our world. And one more practice before we go. I'm going to get weird on you. I'm going to make you feel really uncomfortable. But I told God I would do this, so I'm going to do it. This is called centering prayer. Okay? So I'm going to ask you guys. I, I don't have a chair. I can pretend. To just be aware for a second. We're going to close our eyes. I want you guys to think of a single word 
a single word. It could be God. It could be Abba. It could be Jesus. It could be grace. It could be love. It could be whatever, uh, whatever word is meaningful to you. Take a deep breath in through your nose. The hardest part about this is that thoughts are going to come into your head that shouldn't be there. Worries, everything else that's bogging you down. That's what we're silencing right now. We're going to silence everything. And when you start to feel the distractions happen, some of that's it's happening to some of you right now, right? You're like, you're like, what are we doing? I don't get this. I'm uncomfortable. Then I just want you to say that one word. You can say it in your mind. You can say it under your breath. We're going to block out the noise and just give space for God. This is like when you've been driving your car and hitting curbs and you need a realignment. That's what this is. Be aware of your body in space, your feet on the floor, where the chair is touching the back of your thighs. Be aware of your lower back. Maybe it hurts. Up, up to your shoulders. Be aware of these things over your head, down your face, into your heart. And for one minute, it's going to make for really weird YouTube. We're going to be quiet. And when our head starts to distract us, when those thoughts come through, utter your one word. Thank you, Jesus. Will you be the center of our lives? Will you be the lens through which we see the world? Break our heart for what breaks yours. And help us be people who reflect you, your hands, your feet. Solve the problems the way you see fit. Help us to love and practice love above all things. Thank you for this time. Thank you for loving us. And may you change us, spirit, to look more like Jesus in our world. We ask it in his name. Amen. Will you guys close your eyes and bow? And Father, we thank you so much once more. You've given us what we need to live. Awaken us from within to live for you and like you and represent Jesus to our world. Asking for your help, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.